find out more about topics like this one, please go to reliusmedia.com slash podcast where you can listen to other episodes. There, you also can subscribe to our informative publications, such as Healthcare Risk Management, and obtain CME or CE credits. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us for the final episode of our three-part miniseries on hiring and retaining unicorns in healthcare. My name is Justin Hess, and I am the product manager of assessments here at Relias. And today, I have coming back with me my co-host, Hi, all. It's Leslie Jeffries, uh, Director of Clinical Solutions uh, on the content team. Great. Now, in the last two episodes, we covered what barriers organizations face in the hiring process and why turnover is such a significant concern for healthcare and healthcare organizations. Today, we're going to expand on our definition of assessments outside of hiring decisions and talk a little bit about the best practices for doing so. Now, beyond hiring, Leslie, what are maybe a couple other major cases where assessments can be applied in the healthcare space? Good question, Justin. Uh, you know, I think what we have seen uh, from, from application of assessments are, are three main areas in which uh, the data that is, that is uh, gained when an, a test taker completes an assessment, where that information is most helpful. Uh, the first area is onboarding. So during the onboarding phase when employees are, you know, going through the application process and they've been hired and then perhaps they are, you know, going through orientation. So you think about a, a nurse at the bedside or a CNA or someone who's, who's going through their orientation. Um, the assessments can, can provide rich data during that, during that time frame. Um, as well as promotions. And um, uh, the third one is also professional development and personal growth as it relates to succession planning and just ongoing development from a professional standpoint. Great. Now, I did want to touch upon promotions very, very quickly and let everyone know that promotions should be treated exactly like any other selection decision. So, what that means is that it should be treated almost like a pre-hire event. So all of those stipulations, all of the rigor associated with a pre-hire assessment should follow for a promotion event as well. And what this might mean is that if you are evaluating maybe the leadership readiness of an employee who could be going into a managerial position, you want to ensure that you have that same level of rigor in the assessments that you would be giving uh, not only the internal candidate, but also if you're looking for any external candidates as well, you wanna make sure that process is standardized. Now, where assessments shine across the three applications that Leslie mentioned is when they are applicable and specific to the role or position that is being assessed, mapped to competencies linked to that specific job, task, or responsibility, and whenever you use them to identify strengths and areas of improvement. So, Leslie, what other companies, whether healthcare or otherwise, are using assessments today for these types of situations? Yeah, you know, I think we talked about this in, in one of the previous episodes. And, uh, you know, when you think about other companies um, that we all know, FedEx, uh, Target, Ford Motor Company, I mean, the, the list kind of, it goes on and on. And a lot of assessment vendors have some of those companies uh, listed on their website. So, you know, there's certainly plenty of those out there. And, 
for me, you know, when we talked about this before, there is really no reason that healthcare entities should not consider using assessments. When you think about the nature of the work in which our employees um, are performing, and that's really taking care of people when they're at their most vulnerable, when they're sick, you know, they, they're many times in situations that they're unfamiliar with, uh, they need answers, they have a lot of questions. Uh, so whenever you think about uh, assessments being mapped to competencies that are required by healthcare professionals, um, I think, it, at least for me, it it's a, becomes a question of why would you not use an assessment? You know, I mean, we're hiring people to take care of sick people, and if other larger companies who are, you know, making cars and their retail and their shipping companies, if they're using assessments, it, it only makes sense that we would, you know, as a healthcare industry, be interested in doing the same thing. That's a great point, Leslie, and I want to expand on that for just a moment and get kind of your thoughts and feelings on why it might be so important to hire the best person for the job in a high-stakes industry such as healthcare. Yeah, you know, when when hospitals are looking at risk and, you know, trying to improve, um, you know, just their, their overall risk when, as it relates to adverse outcomes and different things. You know, I, I think that one of the things that we often overlook is, are, are the other competencies outside of just clinical knowledge. You know, does the person or does the applicant know how to care for a patient in a particular um, event or certain illness and things like that? But there are also many other characteristics that can be assessed with, the, with different assessments. For example, a personality assessment because as we know, communication many times is the, the culprit uh, when we do a root cause analysis and we see that there's been an adverse outcome and we're trying to figure out really what happened and you know, we wanna change things moving forward. Communication is always such a big component of, of where breakdowns occur. And so you know, when you think about characteristics like communication skills and how well, do they, um, how well does an applicant interact with their peers or patients and their families, uh, those are things that can't necessarily be picked up on on one type of assessment. So, so, so for me, like, you know, having been a nurse manager, using an assessment that gives me a holistic view of the applicant uh, far surpasses anything uh, beyond just a, a simple clinical job knowledge assessment. Agreed, agreed. So I'm sure our audience is probably asking themselves right now, you know, are assessments right for me and my organization? Now, what I would like to do is present some questions that you can ask yourself to supplement that line of thinking. And that's really going to give you a pulse on if you are ready to deploy assessments and really understand how best to use them. So the first question I would pose to you is, which positions or roles will you be assessing? So as Leslie mentioned, this could be things like nurses. This could also be non-patient facing non-clinical staff, having a good understanding of who you're going to be assessing and then what skills, knowledges, abilities, and characteristics you're going to be assessing for those positions is sort of the first step. Once you have those in mind, you can begin asking yourself the second question. What are you hoping to learn from that data? Again, is this going to be a selection decision 
or is it going to be something to inform onboarding, inform things like promotions, or inform ongoing employee or professional developments? Each scenario is going to influence how you're going to use that data and how you're going to tie it into other systems or processes within your organization. Now the third question is what decisions will I make with the data, specifically related to each candidate if it's a selection decision, or each employee if it's incumbent staff? And this kind of flows into the second question. So again, once you learn what you want from the data, how are you actually going to action upon it? Uh, in a pre-hire scenario, you can, for example, use that data to then ask deeper probing more meaningful questions during an interview. If it's a post-hire scenario, such as for ongoing development, you can tie that data into individual or professional development plans that you then use for either remediation, use for ongoing development, or to prepare people to advance into different positions. The fourth and final question is, when do you need this data? So for the hiring process, if it's something like you're using assessments to screen out a large pool of candidates, you're going to want to introduce the assessments earlier into the process. If you want to use the assessments to help you make a final hiring decision, maybe once you've already whittled down the candidates to the final two, three, or four, then that's another place you'll be using them. But how you use that data and when you use it will be different. And if it's post-hire, when do you want to introduce it into your current processes? So for example, if you're using it for onboarding, are you going to introduce it at the very beginning of the onboarding process to individualize or tailor the onboarding to the specific employee? Or are you going to use it at the end of the onboarding process, maybe as a gauge or a check for job readiness? Any thoughts, Leslie? Yeah, those are excellent points. And for me, I guess I'll, I'll give a couple of practical examples. You know, when you think about those questions, uh, first, you know, we certainly know that for those of you listening today, you you have a better understanding of the um, opportunities for improvement within your own organization better than anyone else. And we also know that there's going to be differences. There's variance across the industry. Sometimes it's geographical in nature. Um, you know, we, we see hospital institutions or, or other healthcare um, organizations that don't actually have the same pains uh, on the East Coast as perhaps they do on the West Coast. So there's lots of variables that, that you have to keep in mind, obviously, as you're managing your own workforce. Uh, but, but a couple of issues and, and examples, I guess, come to mind for me. And uh, one of the things that, that I always think about are, are the educators of departments. Um, knowing that my background is in acute, I think about nurse educators. And many times, unfortunately, those, in, those positions or those education-type departments are many the first ones that um, you know have a, a budget uh, reduction or they don't have enough staff to to do the education or perform the education that's required. So so using that as an example, if you know that you're you're light on education resources, you know perhaps assessments can assist your educators in determining where are their gaps, not only with specific applicants or incumbent staff, but you know you you can look at the entire group if you you know if you choose to do so. So. For example, if you're looking at dysrhythmia competency, you may find that everyone in, um, from your department, you thought they were, they were great in interpreting heart blocks, 
um, but in fact, they, they really aren't. And that's all based upon the assessment data that you can collect uh, when, you're, when you're using it from a, a holistic and a comprehensive perspective. And then another example that, that I always uh, think about, just because a lot of new nurses are placed on the 7P to 7A shift or 11 to 7, and many times during the night shift, there aren't typically as many resources, there, there aren't as many physicians, you know, kind of, you know, doing rounds or, you know, not as many surgeries going on. And so the, the resources that new nurses have on the night shift are not necessarily um, as, as frequent or as robust as you might have on the day shift. So if you know that as a manager, that there, there are characteristics of certain shifts where you need perhaps new nurses to have assertive communication skills, they need to have you know, be more of a team-oriented type personality. Um, maybe there are certain things that they need to know from a clinical perspective that are very important for your particular department. Those, those type of things that you know about your units and your organizations are really what assessments are really trying to help provide you that information about. So, so what can we do as an organization with this assessment data uh, to help people in those roles and in those unique situations to be as successful as they can? Leslie, you bring up an excellent point regarding using assessments to better inform pretty much every area of your organizational processes as it relates to human capital. There is just one thing that I would like to advise everyone on or listening to our podcast, and that's what we like to call the hunting unicorns trap. What this basically means is that you are seeking an elusive, perfect, and perfect is in air quotes, perfect candidate or perfect employee and thinking that assessments will help you find that diamond in the rough or that unicorn. Now, that is almost always impossible. Um, there are four criteria here that I would like to present to you about hunting your unicorns. And the first is understanding your reality. So this goes both ways for pre-hire and post-hire. Uh, understand that you know maybe sometimes you might only be able to take the first candidate that applies. And that could be because you have a staffing shortage. It could be because you've had the position vacant for so long and you're not going to be able to be as selective as you would like to be. Uh, assessments can still help you very much in that regard because it, as Leslie and I mentioned uh, both in this series and the previous ones as well, that you can identify strengths and areas of a weakness and then prescribe learning or training to help them become more job ready. The second point that I would like to caution is to set expectations. So be realistic about what people can accomplish, how quickly people can progress in their remediation if you're working to improve something. The third is have a human capital mindset. And that's to the point that Leslie just mentioned whereby you're looking at not only individuals, but also the team level, the departmental level, and your overall organizational level in terms of what knowledge everyone possesses together and how you're utilizing that. If you take that more big picture approach, you will be able to target your training and learning opportunities much more efficiently whenever you're using assessments. The final point is to look at both candidates and then also your incumbents from that whole person perspective that Leslie mentioned earlier. So again, you don't want to take just a single data point 
and either make a hiring decision based on that or plan out an employee's entire developmental cycle based on just one point in a single assessment. Ensure that you're measuring not only clinical knowledge, but also that situational judgment, the behavioral characteristics, uh, fit for culture, so on and so forth. Once you do that, you will have a much better experience using assessments, and you'll also be much more realistic in how you are applying the assessments and the data and metrics that you get from them. Any thoughts around that, Leslie? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, we, we, we always obviously have to identify and recognize that, that there are certain traps, you know, that we don't, we don't want to go down certain rabbit holes. And we certainly don't want to think that assessments are, are necessarily an easy thing to implement or, you know, how do we use the data and, and think that that's going to be, you know, just an easy task because it, it frequently is not. And many times the, the information that we learn from assessments is not always what we thought we were, you know, what our, what our intentions were or we, or we thought, you know, there was a certain level of competency within our, our staff members. So I think it's important to just be realistic, you know, as a hiring manager or, you know, director of a department uh, to, to be realistic about the assessment data, you know, take it for, for what it's worth, and then obviously work with people um, who understand assessments and, and consultants and different people who can help you take that information and apply it in your organization to, to improve change. Leslie, I think that wisdom is a great place to end our series. We'd like to thank everyone for sticking with us through all three episodes. And we hope that the information contained in this series has increased your awareness of assessments and their place in the pre-hire selection process, but also the post-hire processes as well. If you're interested in learning more about assessments, especially the legal and ethical considerations for using them, or how Relias has helped healthcare organizations realize value from integrating assessments into their hiring and post-hiring processes, check out our white paper or visit us at relias.com. We'll be back soon with more episodes on what challenges are facing the healthcare industry today, so keep tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rounds with Relias. To find out more about topics like this one, please go to reliasmedia.com slash podcast where you can listen to other episodes. There, you also can subscribe to our informative publications such as Hospital Employee Health and obtain CE credits. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Relias Media, where we empower healthcare providers to improve patient care and outcomes.